<coughs> Walking through the wilderness. <laughs> the wilderness of the heart is a very dynamic place, so things are always shifting and changing. You can't exactly rely upon <coughs> fixed systems or ideas because you've got to be quite flexible and just notice we're stressing or suffering or pushing or hanging back, you know, you know, resisting or spacing out, avoiding, you know, or just basically trying to pretend one's not suffering. <laughs> it's not I'm not suffering, it's just everything, everything is wrong around me, that's all. <laughs> You know, or, or shrugging it off. Oh well, you know, which is often something we can come down to. And we don't have the skills. We just kind of, oh well, shrug it off, which is understandable uh, and quite reasonable. But really, one wants to uh, arrive at something that's more than just, oh well, but really rather beautiful. And resplendent. Mm. Yeah, so then just to put up with it. Mm. Uh, but actually really feel quite <coughs> fulfilled in our lives. <coughs> Not just getting by, but fulfilled in a deep way. Mm. You know, there's a, you say there's a right to be happy not quite exactly Buddhist language, but there's a certain, <clears throat> you know, the Buddha dwelt in sublime, a kind of happiness. Uh, but of course, the uh, qualifiers is not sensory happiness, not a happiness of the world, a happiness that is happy because it's moved through that and past that moving through the world through the jungle through the uh, defilements and obstacles in the wilderness of the heart not oh well it's just the way I am no, no, it's not that's understandable, it's not good enough Of course, like every every other creature, we do try to arrange our circumstances to be as comfortable as possible. And uh, in holy life, that's not really so much dependent upon immaterial things. Um, 
let me just say, basic shelter, food, and so on, but on immaterial things such as uh, morality, mutual understanding, uh, cooperation, um, you know, uh, kindness towards each other. Mm. Try to cultivate that for our own welfare and the welfare of others. And then you can sit comfortably because most important things in our environment is not in the shelter or the requisites for some other people and living in a harmonious situation. But that also proceeds from and is an aspect of uh, working through one's own blind spots and ignorance. So it's not like, you know, get the world right, then I'll be all right. But this is where the two meet in our uh, own eradication of our own blind spots, things we haven't seen, misunderstood, biases, confusions, uh, unresolved messes and so forth. Uh, We're also uh, forming skillful community you get the, that's what we that's our aspiration Dhamma Vinaya Vinaya is that which supports uh, skillful conditions most important being human interactions that's our theme of Sangha life not an irrelevant theme a major theme well, how does uh, I take responsibility within that, you know, for working on my own blind spots which I haven't seen? And I things I have seen and felt I can't do anything about. Uh, this is where you find your meditation uh, and that cultivation of mind, walking through find a vehicle a vehicle that carries the quality of non-suffering that's not dependent upon sensory conditions non-suffering ease ease of mind so as we cultivate in our meditation we look for the sign where does this feel more steady more comfortable maybe breathing I tend to walk through my wilderness with breathing if I can't get breathing at least get body walking also walking through the jungle walking meditation is naturally a very significant and relevant part of that and so cultivate walking meditation you cultivate that sense how does the body feel most comfortable walking, all the body. So we develop that whole body practice with walking, it means from the the spine, um, the centre of the body in terms of walking is the spine, because that's our our balancing point. The head down through the feet, that unites the body, the spine and the spinal axis, a sense of balance. And then the, the rotation of the pelvis around that axis as you walk. So kind of 
light swing of the hips of the pelvis as it turns as you walk and if you're following that through you're going to find that your upper body your shoulders tend to tilt in opposition to the pelvis to maintain balance so if your left leg comes forward your left shoulder comes back the flexibility around the waist and that that's the movement of walking and again it's something that's lost in our uh, urban life because in walking generally people are much in their heads looking at where they're going they have to be looking at where they're going <coughs> and they've got ideas of where they're going so mostly we're walking as if we're living in our heads on top of a body and moving forward this disconnect broken walking and naturally we assume it's always the feet that do the walking but of course the feet are just one extremity of it the whole body walks the whole body walks like you're in a, in a forest you don't want to tip over you're really keeping your balance you're really being centred and you feel your way forward it's a moderated gentle careful flow and within that flow which is mediating in the sensory condition you find there's a sense of inner harmony mm-hmm. so clearly with walking there's the physical sensations which can act as rough um, reference points you know. Most important is the inner harmony that comes when your body's in flow. The inner harmony is not a physical condition. Or if it is, it's also mental and psychological. Your mind meets that, settles in that, feels comfortable in that. And how do you cultivate like that? Well, also you recognise the body's often sensing itself in our social situation. It's very much defined by the skin boundary. We're sort of slightly pressed in. We're kind of, I'm in here. Everything else is out there. There can be a, almost a defensive sense about that. And you can get to soften the skin boundary because the space around me is also something where there's no stress. Mm-hmm. You know, the space that I'm walking through is always open and if I feel that my body begins to relax a little bit cold weather you bundle up but essentially you try to keep your body feeling open space <coughs> around no resistance, no pressure you know, nothing hemming me in no flashing lights no traffic lights, no signals oh. that signal mind settles then you find the inner harmony of the fluidity of, of walking <clears throat> when the inner harmony becomes uh, apparent then that's your vehicle walking through the jungle of the heart because what will tend to occur as you're practicing is various thoughts, concerns come up uh, uh, projections, expectations, disappointments, you know, so on and so on, fantasies. And you just keep referring those mental conditions to the condition of inner harmony. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if this makes sense, but it's rather like you have that baseline in mind, that fundamental line, that fundamental quality of something fluid and harmonious, then you can feel it suddenly gets interrupted by something juddering into it, some nagging thought, some doubt. And that's kind of what's supposed to happen. Yeah, because this is the way that you receive the suffering, the agitation, the stress in the mind. You receive it in with that harmonious quality and that dissolves it. Doesn't dissolve it instantaneously, perhaps. You might walk up and down for 20 minutes or so with a particular obsession <coughs> or something or the other going on. Just keep walking through. So you're walking through. Not shielding yourself from it. Yeah. Not saying, I can't concentrate. Mm. Well, you can say that, but that's more suffering. Mm. Aim is to... The, the samadhi quality is the quality of inner harmony. And you won't find that on a point in your body. You find it in the wholeness of the body feeling balanced. This is a really good place or mode in which to get this sense. It's not a particular point in your body. It's the harmony of the whole body where the mind easily finds it. You don't have to search. You narrow your attention. Now, obviously, we're most often attracted to the disharmony. Uh, something that remembers this gets caught up in the disharmony, internal, external. And then we nag at it like a terrier on a rat, you know, nagging at it, chewing it, worrying at it, growling at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well then this is the wrong relationship. Often you're too close, we get too close to our suffering and just get activated and reactive to it. A certain sense of recognizing, you know, the way we attend actually is quite significant. If you attend up too close, you tend to get into a confrontational experience with suffering. This confrontation experience itself is suffering. So then we add more. Then you've got to find what's the space, what's the timing, what's the modality whereby the suffering is wet with non-suffering. Otherwise, it's not going to, the chemistry is not going to work, is it? Where do you find the place of non-suffering? To meet suffering. Where do you find the place of ease to meet stress? It's not through fighting with stress. Analyzing it, remembering it, accusing oneself, berating oneself, berating others, doesn't do it. Mm. Wherever you find that, I mean, (laughs) it's in the space around you, in a quality of mind, quality of compassion or spaciousness, wherever you find it. That's the place that you work from. You 
you stay there and you receive the dukkha with an open quality that doesn't keep picking and aggravating it. And the beauty of that is you don't fix anything, it fixes itself. The non-suffering fixes the suffering. And you just let that let it roll and keep walking. In walking meditation, I find there's a point, you know, I get to sometimes when I just think, oh, how long do I have to do this for? Well, that means do it some more until that stops. What's the point of this? Oh, well, the point is to keep going until that, that voice that quietens down. This is me getting restless and impatient, wanting stimulation, getting fed up. Keep walking until it's just the walking. That's it. So you walk for a bit, thinking, oh, this is good. Good to stretch my legs after sitting. That's a bit fresher. And then it's a bit nippy out here. Put something on and walking. Well, how long to go before the next thing? No, keep going. I'm not getting very concentrated. Keep going. What's the point of this thing? Keep going. It's been 40 minutes, keep going. (laughs) Keep going until... Just walking. No point. No aim. No time. Harmony. It's outside time, space, purpose. That's why it's, it's kind of... There's a freedom to it outside the worldly measures and then, oh that's it it's when all that stuff stops it's not when I meet my expectations it's when I stop having them <laughs> it's not when I get my what I want it's when I stop wanting oh that's what does it get it <laughs> takes a while doesn't it because some of the wanting is quite legitimate and reasonable and yet it's still that you you could do that you could do that of course but you could also go to something rather different up to you it really is too painful and uncomfortable when you can't sit at all fine then you're okay now I shift to something else. So is that reasonable endeavour, yeah. encouraging to, to meet one's limits and see if it's possible just to soften and move through that. Not possible, well okay, tomorrow's another day. Let's see, you know, build up strength, faith, energy, mindfulness, See if we can get beyond those limitations, you know, of physical comfort, of uh, a desire for results, uh, whatever. Similarly, when we come to breathing, it's much the same, really. It's not a lot of difference, essentially. 
when you get down to it, it's always within that moving experience, instead of moving your body, you're letting your breath move through, your breathing move your body, swelling your belly, your chest, your throat, a steady rhythmic process, energy building up as you breathe in, and energy diffusing as you breathe out, and then this resting point between the two, the empty point, a very significant point, energy just quiets down. So you get the complete phase, all the phases of energy, the, the rising up of energy, the collecting, the downshift, and the emptying. <coughs> Full energetic phase, phases, all the phases of energy are there. And they're all in harmony. There's not such a thing, it's only good to breathe in, or it's only good to breathe out. And it's all of it's good. And it's the sense of the continuity between the pauses and the fullness of inhalation and the fullness of pausing and the fullness of exhalation. Not a forced fullness, but letting it complete itself. And it can become more regular, smooth, steady. This is good. And then uh, within that, then the mind finds, oh, this is harmonious, I feel harmonious, I feel settled. This we call settled, quietened, samadhyati. It is composed, it's collected around that. And the sign of harmony, which is a nice way to, nice word to add to the other words we use for samadhi. It means kind of like a harmony that one is settled in, that's not fixed or rigid, but something outside or beyond the sense contact associated with comfort and disengagement from one's mental constructions and from one's sense input. Where is that and what? Does it have a place? Maybe a part of your body feels more comfortable than another one. And when you're breathing in and out, maybe it's the fullness of inhalation or something. Okay, we'll settle on that. But the aim is not to, to localize it, but to pick up the, the signal from a place that feels comfortable and then see if you can extend it and ask the body to open and receive that. Particular tensions occur, notably in the diaphragm or in the throat or in the chest. You see if you're breathing through to encourage those places to open up and when the sign of harmony becomes strong enough it can move through these difficult places and also even into the physical discomfort that we experience say in our legs or our back or our neck which gets stiff with sitting and that quality can begin to move through these places where they no longer they're just that they're like the trees around us they're not really obstructing our way we can move through them but so often of course in our normal attitudes trees in the path we just push against it or we fight with it or we chop it down simply you get a pain in your body you fight with it get annoyed with it push against it try and chop it down <laughs> actually the skillful one is one who knows how to flow around that till it no longer becomes a significant feature of their, their landscape. 
it's a fluid path and the uh, what we begin to realize slowly and, and through practice is all the obstacles in this wilderness are actually created by our minds or conditioned by our minds not deliberately figured out with thought no but but with certain blind spots uh, fixed habits um, places that we haven't really opened up and explored places we've been negligent in our bodies or mental habits that have been forceful uh, abrasive these will have their effect the mind the attitudes and tones and energies of the mind profoundly condition the body so if someone has been brutal and abrasive their bodies are tight and hard and uncultivated and they will die in misery because the body will not easily let them out someone has cultivated sensitivity and finesse their bodies are soft open energetically when they pass away they will, they will slip through that like moving through mist it no longer obstructs their path energy of the body is then softened and this is not done through a thought but done through a continual practice of meeting one's resistance and one's you know, uh, blind spots, one's numbness and tension and particularly cultivating what's the mental attitude here, what's the mental tone not a thought not a thought barely an emotion just a almost a, a roughness that occurs edgy tense and softening moving through places of numb brightening breathing in brightening waking it up mm-hmm. so the uh, result can be a very bright uh, happy pellucid state body feels quite light diaphanous and this is described you know as standard uh, for the experience of samadhi mm. referring also to our, our fundamental reference points there's this the knowing anything that obstructs the knowing get obsessive we lose that sense of no position witnessing <coughs> anything we get obsessive then we lose that uh, we get wildly conflicted and tangled we lose that knowingness so that's a sign if the knowingness isn't there it's just an obsession of some kind And of course, some obsessions are extremely <laughs> attractive. Mm. 
You know your obsession, know the obsessiveness, what's the energy like of that? Is it intense, fiery, glued, uh, mesmerized, compulsive? Of course it's attractive, otherwise you wouldn't be in it at all. But if you come to the knowing of that, this feels really uh, mesmerized, obsessive, you know, it's caught me. I'm hypnotized. Oh. And you come back to sensation, body, physical body, just the simplicity of that. And some of the forest masters would just, you know, people get into very, you know, out of body states and, and allure, the allure of that. And they just say, come back to hair. Hair of the body, hair of the head, nails, teeth and skin. Just get down to the coarsest elements to counteract the obsession with light. Or basa, one of the upakilesa, uh, refined defilements. Conviction, another refined defilement. Uh, Rock solid certain, this is it. How many rock solid certain, this is it, you know. Statements get made that five years later you feel embarrassed by, or you should feel embarrassed by. You've just written the book about it. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> You've found ultimate truth and you lay it out there. <laughs> uh, so this is also upakilesa. Uh, and now it's just nothing is sure, nothing's uh, nothing's fixed. Hmm. How is that? Is that? Mm. It's light, so that the certainties evaporate, and the fixed positions evaporate, and the wilderness evaporates. Oh, what was all that about? So finding the place of harmony walking, uh, breathing, and of course with other people, and with one's body as it is, the limitations of that, the frailty or the sickness or the limit, harmony with that, with the limitations of the body, sense of humility, you know, we're not Superman or Superwoman. Okay, well, it's just to find a place where I get reasonable, harmonious, encouraging, non-suffering, and start working from there. It might, yeah. But even if you are old or sick, there's no reason why you can't feel a quality of harmony with that, and from that, something beautiful is bound to be born. Something deeply wise is bound to be born. This is why this path is uh, so uh, magnificent for all kinds of ages, types uh, and so forth and conditions, even sick people. Uh, Even people on their deathbed in the suttas were actually touching it. Not in a great condition but really on the way out and still finding the path was open right there. This is magnificent. 
So we have this opportunity in these examples, this encouragement, to find that those places and use the place of non-suffering to meet the suffering and stress and begin to encourage it to listen, breathe out, let go. Mm-hmm.